to you by our friends of the British Council. Hey everybody, Matt McCarthy here at the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 in New York City for Rugby Wrap-Up. And we have another AFIA Sports Training Group Session chat for you. And in the studio with me is Mr. Steve the Lizard Lewis. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Matthew. And on the horn is Mr. Scott Pearson in from somewhere in the vicinity of Manchester, England. Scott, is that not accurate? Uh, That's right, just outside. So, Scott, why the Sam Hill are you on our AFIA Sports Training Group session chat today? Who are you? Um, so I'm a, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I've, I've worked with uh, athletes for the last 15 years or so, mainly rugby players, but most recently um, cyclists. I was privileged enough to work for British Cycling for nearly three years um, and I coached the group through to the Olympics in Rio um, and we're fortunate to be very, very successful. So you're kind of being a little bit humble because I know that you've worked with gold medal winners that are Olympic athletes, Paralympic athletes, and I'm going to ask Steve what what the term Paralympics means. Well, Paralympics is the alternative Olympics for, um, I'm not sure the correct phrasing, you, you probably want to edit this. I, but want, I want you to tell me what para yeah. means. Oh, you mean from the Latin? I just want you to tell me what, what do you think it means. Well, the Paralympics are for less than able-bodied athletes. What is, is para short for something? Could paraphrase, yes. Uh, he's, he's dodging, he's Scott, you see what he's doing? He's dodging I, I, this. I spent most of, we- most of last week in Las Vegas paralytic. It's I mean, there's, there's a couple of paras out there, paratroopers. <laughs> Scott, you want to fill the folks at home because it's not that complicated of an answer. Uh, yeah, so it's um, the, the original idea was to uh, do a, a, a games at the same time. It was originally called the Stoke Mandeville Games um, after the Stoke Mandeville uh, Hospital, uh, very well-known hospital here in the UK. Um, and it ran at the same time as the Olympics, so it was parallel to the Olympics. So it's parallel, everybody. It's the parallel Olympics. That's what that means. So you can just get off your high horse over there, Lewis. <laughs> I wasn't on it. Yeah. All right. So you're also a, you're, you're humble in the fact that you're not really mentioning your work in rugby. Uh, you've been strength and conditioning coach at some professional setups. And if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but Worcester Warriors with Sale Sharks and the Doncaster Knights. Is that not accurate? Doncaster Knights, they're the ones, yeah. That's right. All three correct there, yeah. We had a conversation off camera. Are we training 60-minute rugby players? I, I don't think so, no. But, uh, I mean, all, all players are, are trained and prepared to play for 80 minutes. But the, the game is such that, you know, you can make rolling substitutions now and many coaches choose to change athletes after 50, 55, 60 minutes. Um, and, you know, many positions, front row in particular, um, are, are changed regularly, so... So, do you, yeah, sure. Scott? What is the what is the difference for you? Uh, are you approached by a coach, perhaps, when they say, "Okay, I need this guy or this girl to be able to do this for X minutes," and and do they do that for rugby specifically with you? Uh, not really, no. Not unless not unless they're um, returning from injury or something like that. But generally, no. Um, it might be you know the coach might make tactical decisions. Uh, on the fly or or like you say just just look at uh, on-pitch data gps data look at some of the match stats and see that a particular player is you know dipping in performance and then therefore make a decision to change them 
So, Scott, we were talking uh, in an earlier segment about physicality of the game, attrition. Obviously, the Premiership is one, one of the most physical leagues in the world. Where does it end up here? Is, the, is it about, in terms of um, making sure players are, are protected and safe and uh, we keep injuries down, is it larger squad sizes, less games, combination? Is it even perhaps reducing the number of substitutes? Um, so that, you know, that, that requirement that you have to be aerobically fit... Um, what are your thoughts on that? Where is it going from a sports uh, medicine side? You've got a bit of a, um, a, a dichotomy there because you've got, you know, the, the, the simple answer to that is less games. But that means less money coming into the game from spectators and, and, you know, and, and sponsorship and, and such. Um, so it's a difficult one. If you, if you increase the, the number of players within a squad, you, you uh, dilute the squad, you dilute the quality within the matches. Um, and the same amount of money has to be spread further, so that that changes that. Um, I'm not sure about the substitute one. I don't know. There's on the of that one. I'm not sure. So I got a question for you. We had uh, in a different segment. We had Danny Barrett on. Danny Barrett's the US seven star, but he's also a 15s player for the team during the England World Cup. What is the difference for you if you're charged with training an individual athlete for a sevens World Cup or a 15s World Cup? And if you have this player that has to play both codes, like we have here in the United States as a tier two nation, the, the different sports effectively. Um, obviously, in, in sevens requires that there's a lot more running involved, a lot more what we kind of term high intensity efforts, um, and you need to back that up several times throughout a day or, or over the course of a couple of days. Um, it, in rugby, the average kind of running speed is a lot less. Um, but the collisions might be larger, so you need to just there's a, there's a difference there. It's, it's like I guess coaching a player to play rugby league versus rugby union, or American football versus uh, rugby union. And we, we also wrote we, we we also talked about off camera your um, I think you said your thesis or your your paper on what yeah. the most important thing was for a potential in training sessions for a rugby player. Well, the first thing to, to kind of say is it's difficult and there's not a lot because of the diverse nature of the sport. Um, there's not a lot that's, that's hugely kind of stands out. But the only thing that did, and this was kind of corroborated by what the, a larger study done in New Zealand, was that the only thing that correlates with, with on-field performance is um, speed. So for really for any given position, um, if all the other things being equal, if you're quicker, than the opposite man, you're, you, you tend to be more successful. And you said something about 10 metres, right? That's the big gauge? Yeah, so speed over 10 metres. So then, certainly in the Premiership, the, the average sprinting distance is only 10 metres uh, or less. So um, that's the kind of distance we looked at. Another stat that seems to be something becoming very popular now is uh, time spent on the ground. You know, getting back in play obviously is yeah. critical. Um, is that something that you, you actually measure in Premiership at that level? Um, where's that going? Uh, is it from memory? I don't think we did um, when I was involved. We, and I'm aware that you can do, and it's done very easily through algorithms in the in the GPS units that the players wear between the shoulder blades. So they're you know they're they're amazing now, and they can they can they have algorithms in there that can automatically work out when you're making a tackle, when you're jumping, when you're in a ruck, when you're in a mall, when you're scrummaging. There's, there's no, no fill in the GPS. You used to be able to hide in 15s and catch your breath. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. 
right? No, not at all. No. It's amazing. All right. Well, well, we are we are basically out of time, my friend. I'm getting barked at from downstairs. But Scott, anything that you can tell us about AFIA, how kids can get involved in that? Yeah, go to the, go to the website afiasportstraining.com. Uh, we run several you know regular camps, normally through school holidays. And if you want to get involved, uh, we'd love to see you there. People can reach out to you specifically too for help, can't they? Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of a freelance guy now, so I, I work. So this is this is my glorious gym that you see behind me, um, and you can come uh, catch up with me. My website is uh, fastfitstrong.com, or you can hook me up on Twitter at fastfitstrong. Cool. Can you be a fat strength and conditioning coach? You can, and there are many. <laughs> but it, uh, you know, like, you're not one of them. Isn't that like me selling shampoo? <laughs> Yeah, well, you've got to have, I guess, you've got to have a certain amount of credibility. And um, if you're if you're out of shape and you don't look the best, then you lose a little <laughs> bit of that. But it, when you're working with athletes, it's about what you say and uh, not what you look like. So, all right. Well, uh, we're going to monitor you and keep make sure that you stay in shape, Scott. That's just Thank what you. we're going to do here. Forward. All right. And <laughs> uh, I want to thank you, my friend, for coming on our AFIA Sports Training Group session chat and on that note we got to go on behalf of mr scott pearson and mr steve the lizard lewis i'm matt mccarthy for rugby wrap-up at the fantasy sports network studio 34 in new york city signing off